Hi, this is Chantel Schieffer, President and CEO of Leadership Montana. Views and opinions shared by guests of Listen First Montana do not reflect the opinions of all of our alumni or organization. We are a large group with lots of opinions, believe me. If you hear something that makes you uncomfortable, we invite you to listen deeply, listen hard, and listen first. Welcome to Listen First Montana, a podcast of Leadership Montana. This is Chantel Schieffer, and today I am in Missoula with Eric Halverson. Eric is best known uh, to our listeners as the thoughtful and lively host of this podcast. Today, I'm excited to turn the spotlight on him. Eric is a lifelong Montanan who grew up in Billings, went to college in Bozeman, and now lives in Missoula. He often jokes about spending his entire life on the I-90 corridor. Here in Missoula, Eric spends his days at the Partnership Health Center, where he works as the Communications and Development Administrator. Prior to this position, Eric was a preschool teacher and the Chief Operating Officer for a large nonprofit organization in his hometown of Billings. Eric is passionate about early childhood development and the role that we all play across our state in growing our future leaders. He's a graduate of Leadership Montana's class of 2016 and our master's class of 2019. Eric, welcome to this side of the podcast. Thanks for having me, Chantel. This is fantastic. This is going to be fun. So let's start as, as we always do and just check in. How are you doing? Well, we were just talking, we're sitting here on the sixth floor of the first interstate building at the corner of Front and Higgins in Missoula, right on the edge of the Clark Fork River, and we look out and we see smoke. Yeah. Um, and it's hard not to talk about that right now. Overall, you know, I'm really good. I, I, Scott Gudger and our, my classmate in 2016 used to talk about his charmed life, and I have an incredibly charmed life, so I try to center myself around the, grat- the gratitude I feel for all these great things in my life. Um, and then, you know, in all honesty, this is a really, really hard time. I think, like, r- literally this week is a really, feels like um, an inflection point, sort of in a, we're in a path back down towards COVID because of the Delta variant, and and the smoke just gives us this feeling of foreboding. So I'm leaning on the people around me. Yeah. It's interesting how when we sat down for our first episode where you interviewed me, we were having a really hard week, too, for other other reasons. I remember walking in um, and, and having a little pre-conversation with you about how frustrated I was with the state of the world. and And now here we are. Um, 11 months later, still frustrated, still sad, but for different reasons. Definitely. And and also sprinkled in there is all these like (sighs) points of light, right? Like last week you and I were in this room doing strategic planning for Leadership Montana with the board of directors and the staff and contractors. And there's so much hope there. Um, So it's strange, those those contrasts, right? It is. It's, you know, and Brene Brown talks about how we can hold those, you know, diverging viewpoints in our own brain at the same time. And, and I certainly do that a lot right now, like the the joy of, of the work ahead of us and, and the sadness of what's happening around us too. It's a really complicated time right now. Yeah. And can I just say that being on this side of the mic is really awkward for me because right now I just want to be like, how do you do that? Chantel? Well, I have the (laughs) questions today, so let's get after it. So eventually we're going to talk about what you and I have both learned over the last year through this podcast. But first, I really want our listeners to to get to know you. 
So take us on your journey across the I-90 corridor. Growing up, college, now professional life. Tell us about Eric. Okay, so I grew up in um, Billings um, on the west end of town, and I have two fantastic older brothers um, who used to beat me up, and now I'm bigger than them, so they can't beat me up anymore. Um, And two amazing parents, and um, we would spend a lot of time ranching south of town, um, sort of near the Pryor Mountains, and put a lot of fence posts into the ground um, with my grandpa and my dad and my brothers, which was a really special time. And then I went to college in Bozeman, um, which is sort of a rude awakening, which is kind of shocking, and um, studied biomedical science, thought I was going to be a doctor. Um, but at some point along that journey, I met a man named Mike Halligan, who uh, gave me a book called How Children Succeed. And that book totally changed my life and my career path. And I decided that I wanted to base my career around advocating for children, especially young children, especially young children who would who face enormous obstacles to healthy development. Um, and so I, that sort of took me back to Billings for a nonprofit gig. And then I ended up, um, which was really meaningful. And then I, um, ended up back in Missoula to teach preschool and, um, go for my master's of business administration at the university of Montana. I was lucky to have Jerry Evans as one of my professors and so many other great instructors. Um, and after I finished that, I was really, really fortunate to land at partnership health center, um, where I work now. I've been there for about two years. Um, and I, I, you know, just walked over here that's on the other side of the downtown from where we are now. And my colleagues do amazing, amazing work. We're, a, we're about a 250-person team, um, and we serve about 15,000 patients in Missoula and Mineral Counties. And because we're what's called a federally qualified health center, also sometimes known as a community health center, we never turn away anybody due to inability to pay. Um, so I think a lot of people are under the impression that healthcare is isn't within reach for them but community health centers um, make sure that that's not true, that they can access health care. So we offer medical, dental, behavioral health, and um, a pharmacy all on our site. And Chantel, I have to tell you that I'm super excited because we just opened last week um, a small clinic inside the Missoula Food Bank and Community Center. Yeah, that's awesome. So rad. In partnership with the city of Missoula, um, got that accomplished. And, and boy, when people, especially now, right, when they come access food, if they have a toothache or they want to see a doctor or they want to talk to somebody, they can just walk upstairs. And that's special. That's game changing. It is. That's incredible. Yeah. So, so that's a great high level overview of your life. Let's dig in a little bit deeper. I want to know more about what it was like growing up on a ranch and, and tell me, you know, what, what, what kind of product did you produce on your ranch? Yeah. So I grew up in town in Billings, so I definitely wasn't on the ranch all the time, but the, the ranch produces some small grains and dryland hay, uh, mostly grazing. So I was just clearing sagebrush out of the fields. My dad gave me a five gallon bucket and had me pick rocks off fields and, um, just built a ton of, built a ton of fence, you know, and I hated it at the time. I was really like resistant, but, um, those are some of my fondest, fondest memories for sure. And, and you have a really incredible work ethic. Do you think that this time that you spent working the land helped you to develop that work ethic? If you pick rocks as a kid off a field, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, desk work doesn't seem too too tough. But I mean, I appreciate the compliment. I also struggle with focus and things like that. So, you know, there's a ton of room for me to improve my productivity. Likewise, friend. <laughs> uh, you said in talking about going to uh, Bozeman at MSU that it was a rude awakening and kind of shocking. Say more about that. It kind of makes me think about the Jim Bliss episode um, where he was talking about some of his tendencies as a young man um, and how why he wishes he had learned the ideas of gracious space and dare to lead as a younger person. And I certainly could have benefited from that as well. I think, you know, how I understood myself was really based in my high school experience and um, like as a basketball player and that was sort of the foundation of my identity and I didn't spend a lot of time reflecting on those ideas. And so I got to MSU and nobody cares about your high school identity, right? And it's not as easy to succeed academically. And so I got, a, got kind of punched in the teeth a little bit, but that was good for me, you know? Definitely, it was great for me. So I adjusted, adapted, and then adaptability is a skill that yeah. I've tried to carry with me and continue to build on. And, and tell me again what you studied in college. It's essentially pre-med in Spanish. Yeah. And that's what you graduated with. Mm-hmm. So professionally, now you work in, in healthcare. And w- what has that been like the last 18 months working in a pandemic for a public health system? <laughs> yeah, so interestingly, um, folks might know Riverstone Health and Billings. And Riverstone is both the community health center and the public health entity. So we're not that in Missoula. Missoula City County Health Department is distinct from us. Um, but nonetheless, I told you that I was just yesterday I was recording an oral history of the last 18 months with the three top leaders in my organization and how wild that was and difficult to look back on all the challenges we faced. Um, you know, the first weeks were really intense. The first two months were really intense. But m- the the bulk of my experience was both in making sure that we were communicating clearly to our patients so they understood how they could get their, their needs met. Um, but then when the vaccine rollout came, um, Partnership Health Center was lucky enough to get a direct federal allocation. So most vaccine was coming from the feds to the state and then distributed that way. But we managed to get a direct pipeline from the Bureau of Primary Healthcare. And that was a big deal. So we very quickly stood up a mass vaccination clinic at the Missoula Fairgrounds. Um, and that was a ton of work. Um, but probably right alongside this podcast, honestly, Chantel, um, that vaccine effort is the most meaningful project I've ever been a part of. Wow. So we vaccinated, we put 17,231 shots in arms. That's impressive. So today is June 29th, 2021. What are you seeing happening today and tomorrow and the next month in your work? I know that's a hard question because so much is unknown and I think we are in a space right now that is kind of scary again. You know, it's funny for me to be a part of Leadership Montana in a way because I don't have any supervisees. I've never led a company. Um, So when I think about the leadership that I try to bring to my team at Partnership Health Center. It's not making the hard decisions in the next month. It's not seeing into the future, right? I leave that to my medical team and the department heads and in those groups. But the way I see myself staying involved is lifting people up. You know? Mm-hmm. I like to say it's good to see you a lot. 
and mean it. Yeah. You know, and build relationships. And we were just talking about how important social capital is and being able to get through really, really hard times. And so I think trying to build connection in our organization is a way of filling that social capital bank up so that we can get through some more hard times because boy, it sure looks like those are ahead. And, and your job is to message around those hard times, mm-hmm. right? What is that like for you? Clear as kind. Just trying to be as clear as I possibly can and, and try to think about um, both what is being said and what is being heard, right? So working with our leadership team to, to think about how we're talking to staff, but sort of the internal communication is a little outside my scope, but um, I just think I just think clarity helps people feel and it just just reminding people constantly we're thinking about you because our leaders are right they are thinking about their entire team and all of our patients and yeah. so just sort of being the person that makes sure those boxes get checked like hey we are we're, we see you we're worried about your safety that's our pri- highest priority we're going to take care of you no bs no bs no bs nobody wants that nobody nobody needs that right now <laughs> Right. So something I had forgotten about you was that you did a TEDx talk in October 2015 in Billings. This would have been right after you started Leadership Montana, right? You started September 2015. Mm -hmm. And your theme for that talk was what astronomers taught me about children. Tell me more about that theme and, and tell me more about that experience. So I have to tell you that the funniest thing about that is I totally fell on my face in that conversation, in that TED Talk, because you have to memorize a TED Talk, right? So I was about halfway through and I was sort of bridging that that idea of space and children and trying to link them. And I forgot a whole paragraph and I literally looked out at the audience and I said, I forgot where I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> Got real red in my face. And then my ears, I got this ear thing where my ears get red and they stay red for like 12 hours. So, they were, so <laughs> anyway, so that was a humbling experience. But um, when you sent me a text last night that said we were going to talk about that, it made me look back on it. And um, I'll tell you the premise. The premise was, it's very nerdy. So hang in there with me, which is... Oh, I love nerdy. <laughs> um, so it was like however long ago that Galileo pulled a telescope up to his eye and look at the, looked at the sky, right? And there was this massive leap in our ability to see further. Um, and the next leap of that size would be the Hubble Space Telescope, which launched April 26th of 1990, eight days before I was born. Um, and I like to tell the story. You know, Hubble, of course, sent back these images that everybody has probably seen, whether or not you know it's from Hubble because it orbits space and doesn't have to deal with the interference of our atmosphere, or excuse me, it orbits Earth. Um, and so I, um, it stared at a single sliver of darkness in the sky for 10 days. It just stared at it and collected any light it could find. But astronomers thought that was just dark space, right? And they, this, the space is about um, the sliver of sky that you would see if you looked through a drinking straw from Earth. And what they found in that darkness um, was 10,000 points of light previously unknown. And each of those, not just a star, but a galaxy with about 100 billion stars. And so my point was that what a beautiful time we get to live in. You know, We get to live in a time when we're not just looking up at the stars. We're 
looking through the lens of Hubble. And we get to see things we never thought possible before. And um, so when I think about that, I, th- I think the same about uh, child development science. We know a lot. We know so much about how to help kids. Um, I think everybody should check out Nadine Burke-Harris and her work with what are called ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. And I, I think it'll fill everybody with hope about how we could change our society if we invested deeply in children. But I was trying to draw this long metaphor, essentially, that when we look out into what might feel like darkness in our communities and with all these issues of homelessness and housing and poverty and um, division and or divisiveness and if we look closely with the tools of the people who came before us um, we're going to see points of light and all those points of light are kids in my opinion wow it is a lovely metaphor I think you did a great job drawing that connection it was, it was poorly delivered in real time, but it's okay because you got to learn from those experiences, right? Exactly. <laughs> and that's great leadership to say, hey, I, I lost my place, right? To admit I'm not perfect, <laughs> made a mistake, and, well, and to do so publicly, right? Learn in public. You know, it's a pretty easy way for me to draw a straight line from having been in Leadership Montana, which gave me the courage to apply for that TED Talk and experiences like failing at the TED Talk leading me to a place where I'm sitting here with you talking on our podcast. Yay. <laughs> so in that, in that talk, and, and often I hear you say the words, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Tell, what does that mean to you? So that was Isaac Newton, right? And he was just mm-hmm. referring to scientific inquiry, I think, for the most part. But I... For me, it's about um, being a, a better man and a better person and a better partner and a better son and brother and friend. And, you know, everybody's out here battling, trying to live a meaningful life. And it's like you, Chantel, and my mom and my grandma and my dad and my mentors who have they've all done so much work in their own lives to learn the hard way, the lessons that you taught me. So I get to benefit from all that. I mean, what a fabulous gift, right? To, I mean, the view is pretty spectacular from on top of the shoulders of giants and I'm trying to let people stand on my shoulders someday too, you know? Just, I'm just so grateful. So let's talk about how we build up our future leaders in Montana, our children in Montana. What does that look like for you? Can we just say early childhood education? Can we just go let's with that? Specific. <laughs> let's get specific. Let's imagine that our listeners have no idea what that really means. Let's get granular. Yeah. Awesome. God, this makes me so excited. So, um, <laughs> uh, so I don't actually spend too much time in early childhood in my current job, which is interesting for me and kind of kind of a challenge, honestly, because it's just where I love to be. But um, you know, the science is pretty clear. Um, there's this guy named um, James Heckman at the University of Chicago. He's a Nobel laureate economist. And what he found was that he sort of got his Nobel Prize for doing other work. And then with all his cachet, decided to start looking into like how children succeed, which is a question I think we all would love the answer to, right? 
and what he found is that it's not this set of hard skills. It's not like, you know, can you type or can you run a great Excel sheet or do accounting or whatever? It's, it's the soft skills. Can you listen deeply and recognize your emotions and reflect and grow? And those are foundational to all those hard skills, right? Soft skills first. That's a uh, prerequisite. And we know that those soft skills are built really early on. I got to see it. Mm -hmm. I got to see it. You know, one of my favorite, and and when I say that I'm referring to my two years teaching preschool, um, I was just an assistant, but I got to be in a room with two lead teachers um, who are just just spectacular. And how old is Dex now? Dex Jr.? He's nine. And and let me correct you just briefly. There is no just an assistant. (laughs) Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Um, But... (laughs) um, but we used to, my favorite book that I ever read in, in preschool was a book called The Monster de Colores, The Color Monster. You know it at no. all? Okay, so what it is, is it's like um, um, every emotion is a, is this like ball of yarn, tangled yarn, right? So like anger is this red tangle of yarn and calm is a blue tangle of yarn and sad is yellow. And the book talks about how we have to recognize when we're feeling those ways and, and when we recognize them, we can start to untangle them a little bit. And, um, and I just like to see, so what the exercise was we'd go through the book, read the book a bunch of times and then ask kids like, Hey, make your angry face. And then, you know, you'd work on sort of motor skills and have them draw their angry face. And so just that ability to begin recognizing your emotion and recognizing emotions and others gives children this framework by which they can interact positively, right? It's pro-social engagement with other people because preschool is often the first time children, human beings, are in community outside Mm -hmm. of their family with age peers and trying to be empathetic and understand how another person feels and how your your actions impact them and what effective communication looks like to avoid some of the pitfalls of sort of the inevitable pitfalls of humans being humans, right? And um, to see children empowered with that framework, even at three and four years old, is without a doubt the most spectacular thing I've ever witnessed as a professional. And um, the science bears it out. Go back to James Heckman. He found clearly that when we invest $1 in a kid before they turn five, especially children who face enormous obstacles to healthy development, like a you know, housing insecurity, food insecurity, a parent in the home with a mental health or disorder or a, um, a substance abuse disorder, they, um, we get $9 back in the economy and that's no surprise. Here's why I know it's no surprise because when you think about Dax Jr., I guarantee mm-hmm. your favorite time with him is like reading to him and connecting with him and mm-hmm. seeing him develop and grow as a young person, right? Sure. Yep. Every parent feels that. So to me, if we can tap into that sort of ubiquitous human feeling of like, hey, we should be investing in kids on a broad scale, that's transformative to our communities. Absolutely. Game changing, fabric changing. I mean, it's like, it's the same lessons that we teach in Leadership Montana. Yes, I was thinking as you were talking <laughs> about that ball of yarn and the emotions and I, I, I can see some adults who could use that lesson yeah. again, like how, how to identify and, and, and manage anger and sadness and frustration and... Yeah, that's a skill that I think can be taught and retaught day after day for many of us, myself included. Oh my God, me too. I was just going to say, every day. Every day. Every day, right? I experience defensiveness and 
frustration and, you know, just having a set of tools to recenter myself, to realign with my values and make decisions based on those frameworks. Let's give four-year-olds that. Yeah. They get it. They do. It's crazy. And if we can shape their minds at that age, then they'll grow up to be more well-adjusted young adults and adults. They get it. So how do we do that? What are the what are the tools that need to be in place for us to do that? Is it specific policies that need to be addressed? Is it funding? What is it? What's the what's the, what's the key? The first step to me is effective communication, which I think about. Communi- I mean, I might just be saying that because I'm a communications professional, but I your, really your do LinkedIn th- profile says you're a communications expert. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> and I agree. <laughs> um, well. I think it's pretty clear that there's huge opportunities to invest much more deeply in children in our communities in ways that lift up our communities and and indeed our entire society up. Um, And which is not to say that people aren't doing amazing work. I mean, people I know in the field are battling, just working their tails off for just unbelievably poor pay probably right mm-hmm. just making a difference in their community as best they can especially for parents who need child care and for you know for those kids and um but i think if people took the time to really try to understand what early childhood education is like the idea is that you're taking i mean the the common refrain i hear from people is you know are, when we talk about early education are we talking about just shifting kindergarten to you know, high school back one year so that kids would start at four instead of five or three instead of four. And then they would maybe graduate at 17 instead of 18. And, um, it's it's absolutely not right. Like if you're sitting with a kid in a preschool room, a four year old trying to like force them to trace letters, like that is an exercise in frustration, Mm -hmm. both for you and the kid. And if you want to set the tone for school for a children, that is frustration. You're setting them on a bad trajectory right it should be you know it's very much about how do you care for yourself and people around you Mm. it's not more complicated than that right it's that social emotional piece that is foundational to literally everything else um and so i think if more people understood that then deep investments in that space would happen but i also think it's really important like when we talk about pre-k you got to talk about high quality pre-k right so um, it's not daycare. Yeah. I mean, I am not shy when I talk about the pay that preschool teachers make. I think it's an embarrassment, frankly. And um, I think if we gave young people an opportunity, said, do you love working with little kids? A lot of people would raise their hand, said, if you could make a living wage doing that, would you? I think a lot of people would raise their hand. Mm-hmm. And that'd be a game changer. You told us a lot earlier about your your family of origin, your your mother, your father, your brothers. Tell me about your family of choice, your fiance, Miss Nora. I'm so happy to tell you about Nora. So we got engaged three weeks ago, and um, she is without a doubt the most spectacular person I've ever known. I um, have this admiration for people who, like you, Chantel, you're not you're not so different. Which is that um, some people 
are sort of here to hold stuff for other people, I think, right? You have this ability to um, carry a lot for your friends and for your family. And Nora has that in spades. Um, she's a clinical psychologist um, working to finish up her PhD in the work she does. I mean, she, you know, she's been uh, on call for women who have been sex trafficked and she'll be the first person to go down to the hospital and be their primary advocate. Um, her dissertation that she's working on now is all about women who experience um, sexual trauma on university campuses and how to create more effective therapies for them. Um, and um, it's not easy. She is climbing such a steep mountain and swimming in such um, challenging waters all the time, right? I mean, it's just, it's just an ugly topic to stare in the face all the time. But um, she does it, and she does it with grace, and she... she <laughs> I think she transforms lives every hour on the hour when she's given, you know, offering yeah. therapy to people. And, um, and I said, um, you know, I sat down and I journaled, this is probably an overshare, but I journaled the morning that I was um, planning to propose to her in North Dakota and she's sitting across the table from me Oh wow! and, uh, she didn't know that I was, she had no idea. Um, and I journaled that. Um, I was just like, all right, I'm just going to brainstorm. I'm just going to like, I don't know what I want to say in the proposal. So I'm just going to brainstorm about like why I care about her so much. And I'm just going to go. And what came out was this, was what I hold so dear and so true to me, which is that every one of my core values, everything that I want to accomplish in this life are, the ceiling is lifted a thousand fold by her presence in my life. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, um, I'm so grateful for that. And I'm grateful for her putting up with my BS. And I just love her so much and feel indescribably grateful for her. That's awesome. I'm happy for you. Thanks. Tell me about your core values. What are they? So you've got me on a tear ever since the leadership challenge in the right. master's class. Yeah. I'm, I, I am trying to pin these down. Um, five core values. Yes, please. Love, curiosity, contribution, meaning, and growth. Um, and I kind of, it's, do, do you remember in the Courtney McKee podcast at the very end, I said connection, just word association. And she goes, mm -hmm. isn't that the meaning of all the things? Mm -hmm. So I kind of think love and connection should be just a super value. Cause I think basically everybody agrees with that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if we're starting to impart our values on other people. Say more. Well. What I heard you just say is that everyone should hold the value of love and connection, mm. which I agree with in some ways. And in some ways, I, I do not believe that we should impart our values on. We should force others to have our hold our same values. Oh, totally. Yeah, I think uh, that's a great point. I think um, more so, I just I kind of suspect that everybody... They just they do what they do because they want more love and connection in their lives. I right? I, I, I would argue against that. Mm, this is my naivete showing through. Go ahead. Well, I think that a lot of people hold values that are important to them that have more to do with, you know, what success looks like for their family or what, you know, power. You know, I mean, I guarantee you that there are people out there who really value more 
what they can get out of a situation rather than what they can give. Mm. That's definitely true, isn't it? It is. So, you know, sorry to bring you down, buddy. No, I, I'm always down for a bit of truth. Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually just, I, I had a, I told my colleague I had the deck of cards from the leadership challenge. Mm-hmm. It was just to give listeners an idea. This is every, every card has a value on it and you go through the exercise of paring it down and finding what your five core values are. And then you have to write a definition. And so I just sort of told a colleague about that and she was like, Oh, this is rad. And she took it home to her partner and they did the exercise and then we came back and we like walked to a park and had an hour long meeting and what came up in that meeting was this exact topic as I was arguing that love and connection is everybody's super value and she pushed back on it. So I think I was hoping that was just a, an aberration, <laughs> but you've just made it clear that, oh, dang it, my idealism taking another hit. <laughs> ready for some rapid fire questions okay what is your favorite superhero and why oh my goodness i love this question i'm just gonna say ant-man because it's paul rudd and paul rudd's america's sweetheart he's so great yeah uh fill in the blank leadership is i think leadership is both like a steadfast commitment to building skills and growing oneself um those skills being like listening and and I'll say listening, honestly, listening first, listening first. But then, but then the other side of that, that I think we always have to talk about is the courage to make hard decisions. You know, it's not just being the, the best listener in the room, but it's also when you don't have enough time and information, you gotta, you gotta make a, make a decision. And boy, how do you, is that happening? Like every minute yeah. these days. Yep. All right. Favorite college hang. College hang. Yeah. Oh, the Molly Brown. Oh, right on. Yeah. Me too. Trivia, Wednesday nights, All pictures right. of PBR. My friends used to <laughs> joke that I paid rent at the Molly Brown. <laughs> That's where I did all my best studying in the corner over by the poker table. My home senior year in Bozeman was next door to the Pickle Barrel on 7th. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like a walk right down from Molly oh, Brown. I love it. <laughs> Who do you admire the most? So it's, yeah. Can I, I, I don't have a single person, so I got to give you a few names. Um, so Nora. Um, I think my two most valuable mentors right now are, are you and my, my boss at my work, Lori Francis. And, um, um, and I got to throw Hatton, Hatton Littman in there. She's the best. And, um, and then my grandma, my grandma's an author and, um, she raised 10 children and I lived with her in a really tough time in my mid twenties. And, um, you know, when I think about standing on the shoulders of giants, like her ability to think about what gives our lives meaning, um, that, that time was really important to me. What is your favorite summer activity? Paddleboarding, flathead lake in the morning before anybody else is out there. Absolute number one. And then my mountain biking. How yeah. often do you get up to the lake? Like not very much. Yeah. I don't even have a paddleboard. Oh. But. I think the goal in Montana, if you're not going to make a bunch of money, is to make a bunch of friends that will invite you to their cabins in cool places. <laughs> so I have a few friends on the lake who I anxiously await for invites from all summer long. Well, I bet Amy Kellogg would love to invite you to go paddleboarding with Amy, her. Amy, Jim lake. Bliss has got a spot too. Jim, do you have paddleboards? He does. He does, actually. So if you're listening, Amy and Jim. <laughs> uh, if a movie was made of your life, what genre would it be and who would play you? Oh my God! Where did you find this question? Just, I'm asking questions. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> you can have them when I'm done. Um, 
it would be uh, it would be a cartoon and <laughs> um, it would be like a Pixar vibe and um, the voice would be <laughs> I don't know I don't know I, this is a tough one that's good. what a great question that's good <laughs> I love that you'd be a cartoon a Pixar cartoon that's yeah. rad uh, if you could go anywhere in the world where would you go and why so if I could go anywhere, just transport myself to one place in the world, it'd be in the rocking chairs looking south towards um, down Pryor Creek towards the Pryor Mountains on my uh, family ranch. Mm. And uh, But if I could go anywhere in the world, um, because it's more expensive, I would go to Guadalajara and sit in the back patio with my host parents, um, who I miss and love. Mm. Peanut M&Ms or plain? Mini M&M's. Mini. Yeah. Listen, the ratio of the coating to the chocolate on the inside is what I want. And also the delivery method, being in a tube, the pop top. And you just pour them down your throat. Yeah, don't have to have clean paws. It's great. But isn't it like more of a dark chocolate in the minis? Because it's not really a milk chocolate. Mm, That's a good point. You know what? If I'm hungry, peanut M&M's are actually one of my go-tos. And Snickers, right? Same ballpark. You protein. Yeah. Protein. (laughs) We've just recently introduced (laughs) peanut M&M's in my house, and then they're a hit. (laughs) Besides Listen First Montana, what's your favorite podcast right now? Oh, great question. I mean, I listen to The Daily um, by The New York Times. I think it's a really good podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also really, really like Freakonomics. I think Freakonomics is just a great way to understand how the world works. Cool. Are you a morning person or night person? Morning. I was just at a bachelor party and I'm the one who gets made fun of for going to bed first. Early uh, to bed, early to rise. That's it. Me too. Yeah. What's your favorite hobby? Um, probably, uh, probably mountain biking and playing cribbage with my buddies. What is the strangest thing you've ever eaten? Uh, probably crickets in Mexico City on a tostada with a little salsita on top. (laughs) Enough said. (laughs) There's a cricket farm in Montana. I know. Yeah. That's good. (laughs) Good for them. What is one of your weird quirks? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, I don't know if anybody else blows their nose in the shower, but I sure do. Okay. And when I do that, um, I make a lot of noise for some reason. It's like a little trumpet sound and, and Nora just can't cannot get over how weird that is. It's normal to me though. Just making sure to clear the system out. You gotta do that. Reasonable. Excellent. Absolutely. <laughs> Describe yourself in three words. Um, goofy. Curious. Changing. Three more questions. Yes. What is your favorite movie? Um, it's either The Dark Knight Rises, second Batman. Okay. Or Interstellar. Because you never seen Interstellar? No. So Interstellar, super sci-fi, but it's um, all about how love transcends space and time mm. which is my just my jam that's your jam yeah what is something that people get wrong about you hmm. I, i'm a pretty positive guy on the outside i think people think that i'm jolly mm. um and i'm just kind of not you know i mean i am but i embrace joy but i also i'm just like just pretty much always worried about the world and mm. suffering, just constantly concerned about it and my lack of understanding of people's suffering, right? So. Okay. All right, last question. 
What is one thing that you want to be remembered for? So way in the future, when the history books tell a story of a remarkable Montana leader named Eric Calverson, Mm. what do you want that story to be? You know, I I hope people say I stayed curious and humble and that I, um, that every time challenge came, I I continued to get curious um, and invest in people. But, um, you know, if I were to choose any legacy, wow, that is weird to look forward that far. But I, um, you know, by the time I'm done and the people that are working so hard in the field are done, I, I hope that we can say that Montana is the best place in the entire country for kids to grow up. Every single kid has everything they need. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Chantel. Eric, this was so fun. (laughs) This is a great time. How do you feel? Weird. Weird. You feel good? (laughs) You feel good, weird? Yeah, I mean, it's an honor. Thank you, Eric. Thanks, Chantel. Thanks to Chantel Schieffer for that fun and insightful interview. And thanks to you for listening in. That concludes season one of Listen First Montana, a podcast of Leadership Montana. And we'd like to send an extra special thank you to everyone who made the show possible. To all the guests, listeners, the Leadership Montana staff and board of directors, Scott Gudger, and so many others. Our most sincere thanks go out to you. Season two of Listen First Montana is coming. As we finalize the details on when those episodes will begin to publish, we'll be sure to keep you in the loop. Our intro song is a rendition of the Montana State song by Scott Gudger, and our other music is from Blue Dot Sessions. We'll see you soon with Season 2. Until then, I'm Eric Halverson, and thanks for listening to Listen First, Montana.